Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your March 18th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. The day after, the day after the St. Paddy's Day Massacre, as the Flyers fall 9 to nothing against the New York Rangers. Um, it, I'm almost speechless. It's very rare that I'm speechless, especially when it comes to hockey. But I'm almost speechless here because this game was an opportunity. And you look for when you're on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, you look for opportunities, right? And last night was one of those nights where there were only two teams in the East Division playing. It was the Flyers and the opponent, the Rangers. So you could, if you win the game, you're the only team in the division that can gain points in the standings. And we've been talking about the Flyers' games in hand. And as you've heard me say on this podcast, that games in hand don't mean anything until games in hand become wins in hand, right? And points in the standings. Well, that opportunity was last night to gain two points while the team ahead of you in the standings, the Boston Bruins, sat idle. While the team ahead of them, the Pittsburgh Penguins, sat idle. While the team ahead of them that we'll see tonight, the New York Islanders, sat idle. And while the team that we just saw a couple days ago that the Flyers lost to three times last week, the Washington Capitals, sat idle. And not only did you lose, but you went out and you got beat 9 to nothing. Now, every team in sports at some point in time gets their rear end absolutely handed to them. They do. And sometimes it's at a really inopportune time. This was a really inopportune time for a team that's struggling against, frankly, a not a very good team. That, that happens sometimes, too. But to give up seven second-period goals after going down 2 nothing in the first— that's the head-scratcher for me. Because Lemieux scores in the first period, seven minutes in, to open the scoring. Panarin, uh, great execution on a two-on-one -on down low. He puts that one by Brian Elliott. It puts the Rangers up two to nothing. So you head into the second period. You go, okay, Flyers will have some pushback here, right? This is a Ranger team. They're down 2 nothing. They've been down in games. They've crawled back into them recently. So they'll have some pushback here. But what happened in the second period? A minute 38 in, they give up a goal to Pavel Buchnevich. Now it's 3-0. Okay, pushback's got to come now, right? Two minutes later, 338, Buchnevich gets a second of the game. It's now 4 nothing. Three and a half minutes later, three minute, four minutes later, Jacob Truba scores for the first time since Ronald Reagan was in office in the White House. His first of the season. Then three straight goals by Mika Zibanejad, three different ways. First one shorthanded at 8.27, second one on the power play at 14.29, and the third one, even strength, his fourth, fifth, and sixth goal of the season. Now you're down 8 to nothing. And then in the final minute at 19.39, Filipito gets a goal, his fourth of the season, 9 nothing. No blood drawn in the third period, but tons of blood spilled in the first two by the Flyers. And an embarrassing effort. They get outshot in the game 29-26, to and that disparity is not obviously very large, three-shot disparity. And you look at that and go, boy, the goaltending must have been bad. No, I didn't think so. <laughs> I mean, you can't. it's hard to look at a team giving up nine goals and say the goalies were good because yeah, I'm not going to say that. But the, the defensive breakdowns in this game were they were almost 
sensationalistic, where they were such big breakdowns that it was beyond anything you could imagine. 2-1-0. Just unbelievable, unbelievable execution of odd man rushes by the Rangers and unbelievably poor execution of defending them by the Flyers. That was the combination that happened. And we're going to get to Twitter questions, and we're going to talk about a bunch of different things here. Usually in a situation like this, I would play Elaine Vigneault's postgame comments. I'm not going to play them. I'm not going to play any of the players' availability either. And I, I, look, as I'm taping this, I don't know if they had a players-only meeting with the door shut. That's what they do in hockey. Uh, it, but it doesn't matter because it's all just words. Words don't mean anything to me right now except these words that I'm about to tell you. And these are the words that matter. This Flyers team has been erratic to start the season. Beginning of the season, the process wasn't great. They were winning games. They were had a solidified playoff position. And then as COVID hit, and look, that happens to those teams this year. And, you know, they were in a position where they had a little bit of a buffer because their early season results were pretty good. But they've been reeling of late. They lost two of seven. Or they went two and five, excuse me, through seven games. They're now five and six in their last 11 while they were out shooting teams. And this is only the second time in 11 games that they've been outshot. But the result hasn't been good. And you're getting into a situation now where we're starting to knock on the door of the midway point of a season. And you're 26 days away right now from the trade deadline. You have a team that defensively has not looked anything like it looked last year. And the only loss you really had was the loss of Matt Niskanen, which is big because it slots things differently. I mean, you look at this game, Sandheim and Myers were a minus six. They were on the ice for the first five goals of the game. And why does it look so different than it did a year ago? Is the team quitting on the coach? All things we'll get to in Twitter questions. But what I'd like to welcome you to right now is the proverbial fork in the season's road. They're at it. We thought there were forks in the road earlier in the season, and they may, they may have been tentacles of a fork. But right now, you are at the ultimate fork in the road of the 2021 Flyers season. There's two ways to go here, and they play tonight against a really good team, a team that knocked them out of the playoffs in seven games last year, the New York Islanders. And I don't care that they don't have Anders Lee. They're still a really good team. And they're a really structured team playing against a team right now in the Flyers that don't have good structure. So tonight is the decision of the fork in the road to either go to the right or go to the left. Now, what resides on the right? This isn't political or anything like that. If this team goes to the right, that's a team that learned from that 9 nothing loss. That's a team that was so embarrassed by that game, it had the right effect. They realize that 9 nothing is still only two points in the standings that they didn't get. It doesn't count for three games. But they move in the right direction now. And it it's the shock paddles to their hockey system and gets them moving in the right direction and with consistency and with identity and with accountability and playing for the guy next to you and playing for the logo, not playing for the name on the back, doing the right things, on and off the ice. That's what happens if you take the fork in the road to the right based on the 9 nothing loss to the Rangers. If the fork on the road takes you to the left, then you're a team 
that's going to look up at the standings real fast and realize we're too far behind, we're not playing good enough, we're not good enough. We're going to get to this trade deadline, and we're going to be sellers, not buyers, and we're in a position to waste this season and this opportunity. So they're at the fork in the road. Is this team going to go to the right and turn this thing around? Or are they going to go to the left? Because there's no denying anymore, none, zero denying that this is it. This is the fork in the road. The fork in the road is not in another five games. No. This is the fork in the road. When you get your ass kicked nine to nothing, welcome to the fork in the road. Just before the midway point of a season where you're only playing your division, that's it. And you're playing for the same four spots of real estate, four-point games. So if you want to think that the fork in the road is four or eight more games down the road, then you've already decided, if you're a player, that you've taken the left and it's done. If you've decided that this is the fork in the road and we're going to do the right things and you want to go to the right, then okay, let's go and let's make it happen. But make no mistake about it, none, this is the fork in the road in the season. It's either now or never. That simple. I'm pissed off. This team's better than this. This team should be better than this. So what is it going to be? Not four more games and we'll take a, take a look then whether we go left or right. No. This is the fork in the road of the season. So make a decision. We're either going right, we're going to turn this thing around, and we're going to see it through, and we're going to spill our blood and do everything it takes to win every single game, every period. Are we going to win every game? No. Are we going to win every period? No. But we're not going to inflict self, self-inflicted wounds upon ourselves and fatal flaws ad nauseum costing us games, costing us periods, costing us points in the standings. This is the fork in the road. And and that that much I know for sure. All right, let's get to some Twitter questions. And I appreciate people bear, bearing with me because this is it's unbelievable the how just frustrated I am at this moment. Again, I'm recording this after the game and I have not had a chance to calm down, but I am, I'm very angry, and Flyer fans are angry. Damn it, we got fans that are allowed to get back in the stadium, and coming up on, on, on April 4th, maybe up to 5,000 fans. And these people want to go to games, and they want to be entertained after the crap we've been through with this pandemic. All right, let's get to the questions. Uh, Peter Giordano starts us off, and he says, and there's a bunch of questions to this. He said, with Elaine Vigneault constantly changing lineups, do you think it is messing up the chemistry or is it just flat out not enough effort? Look, it's hard after that Ranger game and you get you give up seven, seven second-period goals to say that they had effort. I usually don't like to question effort. Um, but in this game, I, I don't think it's because A.V. changes lineups. I think he's changing the lineups, searching for consistency, searching for chemistry, to just sit and not do anything, I think is is incredibly passive. I don't think that, that he will do that. But, you know, a lot a lot of people are asking the question, has A V lost the team? 
Does AV have something to worry about? Are they going to get rid of the coach? Is it time to move on? Is Like JC said, is the AV honeymoon over? This team has zero response and jump coming out of periods of this season like last. I know AV has a shelf life, but this locker room can't be turning him, tuning him out already. No. This coach is in no danger. None. And there's no way that he lost the locker room. This is not on the coach. When you lose nine to nothing, it's on everybody. That's a that's a collective failure because it's a sensational failure. But no, this isn't on the coach. He's a good coach. He took the team through his accountability, and one of the reasons why he's changing the lineup and put bringing guys in and out isn't just because of the schedule and the condensed schedule. It's also because guys aren't performing. Do you think he wanted to scratch Oscar Limblom as a healthy scratch? No way. He loves Oscar. But Oscar is going through periods where it's really tough. What he went through, his game's not all the way back. Not only his hockey skills, but his conditioning, his muscle composition. So he doesn't want to scratch a guy like Oscar Limblom, but he's trying to do what's best for the team. So, I mean, you have to scratch players when they're not playing well. Now, some people are saying, well, you need to scratch Kevin Hayes or you need to scratch Jake Voracek. Okay. Like, those guys weren't great in the game, obviously, either. But you also have to look at when you consider scratching a guy, if not him, who? And does that other person coming into the lineup bring me what I need to get? And some players, look, they earn the right. They earn the right to not be healthy scratched at this point in their career. And... You may not like that answer, but I believe it's to be true. Um, John Morrison said, can you healthy scratch 20 players? Well, you can't, but um, I guess you could. You'd have to put a lot of people up uh, from the Phantoms, and they probably wouldn't be able to play their next game. Uh, Stagger Lee, my buddy Ed Riddy, says, the amount of people, players, reaching for loose pucks is contagious. They were very successful winning win 50-50 races for the puck last year. WTF changed. What the you-know-what changed? Um, look, that yeah, that's competing. You're right, Ritt. And they need to compete harder. And I didn't see one 50-50 battle or board battle won in that first period. And you're right, that kind of stuff does become contagious. And it needs to become contagious the other way. Again, back to the fork in the road. Are you going right or are you going left? If we're going right, we're all going. We're all going right. So if they're having that players-only meeting, we got to figure that out. Hey, guys. If we're going to go right, like we're cool with that, but we all got to go. We all got to sacrifice. Because if we don't all do it, then we might as well just go left. And the season will be over. Uh, Boomer tweets in, uh, at Flyers a Sooner on Twitter says, how long before we admit that the players are the problem and not the coaching staffs? Giroux and Voracek have been through multiple regimes, same results. Okay, that's Okay, that's easy to say. I understand. And and as you just heard, I'm not blaming the coaching staff. This isn't a coaching staff issue. And this is a player issue. Uh, but you can't look at multiple regimes and go, Drew and Vortec have been multiple. Did they have any for most of that tenure between 2014 and before last year where they had any, any sort of depth and goaltending? No, they didn't. So it's impossible to compare it. Drew and Voracek have been guys that have been 
big-time point getters on really inconsistent teams. I agree with that part. But, and, and I know, and there's a couple of tweets in here too. Rip off the C. This is why you got to rip off the C. This is a collective, sensationalistic failure. Collective. It's not on one player. Giroux cannot, no player can motivate one, everybody else to do everything. These guys are professional athletes. I don't know what some people think the captain does, but he doesn't walk around with orange slices and juice boxes before the game and have a come-to-Jesus meeting with every player. That's not what it is. These are professional athletes. Do your job. That's it. Do your job. When you're in the lineup, do your job. Don't try and do the other guy's job. Do your job. Because if you try and do somebody else's job, then I got two guys not doing their job. That's not the job of a captain. The captain's job is to lead by example, by the way he prepares. Now, did it look like Giroux prepared for that game? No, because it didn't look like anybody prepared. It was ugly. It was brutal. All right, let's get to uh, Matt. He says, how many goals were, quote, not the goalie's fault? Uh, Look, I didn't really see a lot of goals that were their fault. I mean, two-on-ones, breakaways, three-on-ones, bad plays down low, even one off Phil Myers' skate. Look, I don't know what you want goalies to do, but you can't work magic. You can make great saves, and sometimes you can make some of those saves, but those were unbelievably great executed goals, I thought, by the New York Rangers. And to couple that, unbelievably horribly defended plays by the Flyers. Um, At Delwyn says on – the Delwyn on Twitter says – I think it would be a huge mistake to make a deal at this point. Just let this, let it ride in this weird COVID slash pre-expansion draft year. Teams should still be expected to make the playoffs, sign a vet D, hope York can play next year, and make a move at next deadline. Thoughts? Look, I can't think about next year. I don't know if Cam York's going to be ready. I think he's going to turn pro after a season at Michigan, but... And then we'll see how he does playing with the Phantoms after his collegiate season is over. But I can't depend on Cam York to save my defense as a rookie defenseman in the NHL. But I do agree with you. You need to sign a veteran top D-man. Because when you have all these young D without having the veteran in a very substantial role, I think that's part of the problem with what we're seeing. As far as making a deal this year at this point, you know, a day ago at the Delwyn, I would have told you, no, make a deal now. I'm ready to play for the present. I'm tired of waiting for the future. But after what we saw last night, I don't know. So you got to give me a couple days on that. I'm at a fork in the road, too. Uh, at uh, SM Steve Martini says, need someone to play with anger and lead in effort, especially on the team defense side of things. Totally agree. I don't have much more to say on it than that, uh, other than I totally agree. Um, at Jeff Mack 78 says, this is another embarrassing game. Next 10 to 15 games decide if we add at the deadline. I don't think we can add one player to help. Might need three or four at this point. I think that's a little extreme, and I know this is a raw loss. Again, you're never as good as you think you are when you're playing at your best, and you're never as bad as you are when, you think you're, when you're playing at your worst. So adding three or four players, that's not going to happen. I just don't see any scenario where that could happen. Uh, let's go to... 
Let's go to Will Strauss Jr. He says, it was mentioned on the national broadcast that Myers and Sanheim pair was problematic last year during the playoffs and were burned most times tonight. Why wasn't the defense upgraded in the offseason at least to move these two? Now, okay, this is what I'm glad you asked this question. Defensemen in the National Hockey League and being a top defenseman or even a top four pair, top two pair, is something that doesn't happen overnight. These are two very young players, and they had an incredibly rough game, as rough as I've seen. But I guess you just want to move on from them. I would tell you that if you didn't protect either of them in the expansion draft, there would be one of them's gone. They're thought of as good defensive prospects. Are they finished products yet? No. You still don't expect a game like last night. But why wasn't the defense upgraded? Well, when Niskanen decided to retire, that threw them kind of into a tailspin because now you had a huge hole to fill. But the problem was is that you're dealing with heading into a season with a flat cap and an expansion draft, and there just weren't moves to be made. There still hasn't been a lot of moves. But I think there will be some moves. And if Chuck Fletcher, looking at that fork in the road, decides to go to the right to keep continue the pun, then he's got to find one of those teams to find a legitimate top-pairing defenseman. Uh, Julio, or Julio, sorry. Julio Garcia says, is it time to finally move on from this core? G, Voracek, et cetera. Well, I mean, that's such an easy thing to say. How do you do it? You have to explain to me, Julio, in a flat cap world, and frankly, Giroux's got a no-move clause, full, that he's not going to waive. How do you move on from players making north of $8 million in a flat cap world? You guys can say that part until you're blue in the face, but I choose to only entertain things that have a possibility of happening. And those two things right now do not have a possibility of happening. No team can fit $8.5 million of cap space in a flat cap world for players that are north of 30. So you're just wasting your air. Jeff Hunsaker, is it time to blow up the core of this team? Every season is Groundhog's Day. Sell at the deadline. Was it Groundhog's Day last year, though? Look, I don't want to defend this team right now after they got the, their ass kicked 9 to nothing. But was it Groundhog's Day last year when... They finished the regular season before a COVID pause incredibly well and took a huge step forward. Was it? JC, is this AV honeymoon over? This team has zero response and jump coming out of periods. Oh, we read that earlier, so we don't need to go to that one again. Vinny tweets in, someone getting fired? Embarrassing loss. Vinny, no. No one's getting fired. Nor should they. Um, Sean on Twitter says, we all know it takes two GMs to tango, but previous front office regimes would have addressed these on ice issues long ago. These aren't the flyers of my childhood. I'm not sure how old you are, Sean. Where did that get you? Where did the lack of patience get you? It didn't get you anywhere. 2010 flyers, flyers, Pat 87 says, can we finally agree that it's time to blow this team up? 10 years of mediocrity is enough for F sake. Okay. How do you do that? You want to, so when you say blow it up, that means to me, start over. How do you start over and just get, this isn't the NFL and you can just cut players. You've guaranteed contracts. 
So let's just try and keep it to things that have a real a realistic possibility of being able to happen. Kenny Gell, Gellhouse tweets in and says, why pull Elliott with a back-to-back tomorrow and the game out of hand? Seems like an awful move. It's something that I was thinking about too, Kenny, because you, you didn't want to put heart into the game for two reasons. You didn't want to put heart in there, one, because the team was playing abysmally in front of their goaltenders, and two, you wanted the, the other goaltender to rest for the game tomorrow night against the Islanders. Now that whole thing is out the window. So, But, I mean, you had to. You just can't leave a guy out there to die, and that's what it would have been. That would have been just leaving a guy out there to die. So you had to spread it over two guys. All right, one last question, uh, and it comes from Justin Trill. He says, if AV is really holding defensemen accountable, Myers and Sanheim both sit tomorrow, right? That would be tonight's game against the Islanders. Um, it's a good question. It's a really interesting question. But again, I'll go back to, and I know you can't answer this, but if not Myers and Sanheim, who? Okay, so you're going to take those two out, and you're going to go up against, by the way, two guys that have good size, Myers and Sanheim, and you're playing against the Islanders who have tremendous size, as we saw in the playoffs, even though those two didn't play great in that series. So who are you going to put in? So your pairings are going to be, I guess, going to be Provorov and Braun, no Sandheim or Myers. Your second pairing is going to be Haig and Gustafson. And then your third pairing is going to be Gostaspare and Prosser. Is that a good way to get the team moving in the right direction and taking that fork in the road to the right? I don't think so. I would almost come back with the same exact friggin' lineup. The same exact lineup. I, I, I probably put, because it's a back-to-back, I'll put Lindblom back in and Albe Kubel back in. And I'll take out Bunneman and I'll take out Andy Andrioff. But then I'll go back with everything else I had. I'll start Hart in the game, and I'll go from there. I think it would be a way to show confidence in the team. It'll be interesting to see how AV handles this. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to this episode. I hope that it helped in some way, shape, or form. Um, good news. Flyers are back at it tonight. And I really hope that the tone and tenor of tomorrow's podcast is nothing like this one. And we're talking about a win and one where we go. See? They took the right. They went to the right at the fork in the road, not the left. We'll find out. Because make no mistake about it, it's the fork in the road. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Enjoy your hockey tonight, and we'll talk to you on tomorrow's Flyers Daily.